Recording from the Sunshine City, St. Petersburg, Florida, overlooking beautiful Tampa Bay, this is the Sonography Lounge, sponsored by Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute. This podcast is dedicated to medical professionals and patients around the world interested in diagnostic and interventional ultrasound. Our podcast will discuss everything ultrasound, from news, trends, career paths, new technology, and industry updates. Hosted by Lori Green and Trisha Rio of Gulf Coast Ultrasound Institute, they bring over four decades of experience in the ultrasound profession and are here to guide you through this journey. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on the Sonography Lounge, where we talk about all things ultrasound. I'm Trisha Rio, and I'll be co-hosting today's episode with Lori Green. Hey, everybody. Transcranial Doppler has experienced a tremendous growth in recent years as more medical professionals are realizing its benefits. For those who may be unfamiliar, TCD ultrasound is a painless test that uses sound waves to examine the blood flow in your brain. It is used to diagnose or monitor a wide range of conditions, including acute ischemic stroke, vasospasm, which is a narrowing of a blood vessel due to contraction, stenosis, which is a narrowing or blockage of an artery most commonly due to atherosclerosis, cerebral microemboli, or small blood clots, evaluating stroke risk in adults and children with sickle cell anemia, evaluating for paint foramen ovale, which is a hole in the wall between the two upper chambers of the heart, which is a source of stroke in children, and the confirmation of brain death. That's right. Today we have with us Mike Talcott. Vice President of Sales with Image Monitoring USA, who's going to share a little bit more about the future of TCD. And Mike began his career in 1985 as a biomed service tech and was introduced to vascular imaging in 1988 with Metasonics. He then became the Vice President of Sales for Unetics, and later he joined Image Monitoring USA team. So welcome, Mike. We're so happy to have you here today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. So, Mike, let's start off with you telling us just a little bit more about image monitoring, uh, who's the founder, and and uh, what do you see uh, for the future of your organization? Well, it's, the founder of our company is an interesting case. She actually grew up, uh, not grew up, but uh, her t- talent is in RBT. She started at Image Monitoring Canada back in the 90s and eventually became a part owner through working up to the bottom of Image Monitoring Canada and started Image Monitoring USA about three years ago. So it's a really neat story with uh, you know an RVT getting just seeing a need and helping create a business and we're thriving here. Everything is going fantastic. That's awesome. That is amazing. It's always nice to hear about people starting businesses and then expanding their um, career. And and we have a series on on, uh, career opportunities, and that fits right in with that. We're starting out as a vascular technologist and then uh, expanding your career opportunities into being an entrepreneur. So that's exciting. So um, we're talking right now about TCD, and its TCD applications have been around for a lot of years, and um, but we've, we're seeing a lot more uh, interest in that. Um, in particular, from an education standpoint, we we're getting a lot more requests for uh, training for TCD. So um, as uh, Image Monitoring USA, as a, an awesome system, where do you all see um, TCD today, and and where it's going for the future? Well, it traditionally was used for basospasm in the hospital, sickle cell for children, and stroke. There was a little bit of a PFO. Um, 
testing done back in the 2000s, adult PFO mainly, that they were testing for, but it really never took root because it was a little bit more difficult with the older technology. With the new technology that you see in our Dolphin Series equipment, it's quite easy with the advent of M-Mode and Power M-Mode. It allows us to sort of flashlight and find the MCA-ACA really easy. And uh, with emboli detection, actually uh, we're supposed to call it HITS detection, with HITS detection on board, we can detect the HITS and we can tell how many patients, I mean, how many HITS a patient is having. Mm -hmm. So it makes it really nice. So if you have a patient come into the ICU um, where you're monitoring a patient during a carotid endarectomy, during TCAR, anything of that nature, or if you have a patient come into the ER and you're suspecting that they have a stroke, then we can pop the TCD on their head and we can look and see if they're having a vasospasm spell or if they've had a head trauma or a bleed or we can tell if they have any hits going on in the patient. That's a lot of information. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. You can detect all of that and it's more simple than ever. Definitely helps them to more rapidly determine what's going on with that patient, especially in a stroke situation, to get them to the most appropriate treatment. Yeah, most definitely. And that's one of the things that I feel is very rewarding for this field. That's why I chose ultrasound is we can save people's lives. And it's more of an art than it is just uh, just doing something, putting a, a cuff on a patient. There's a lot more involved. And the nuances with the new technologies, that's what's really neat about medicine is with the advantage of the computing power now, we can process data so much quicker than we, what we could in the past like the old TCD systems that are in, they're still in production are typically sampling at about a 400 to 600 sample rate per millisecond. We're at 5,000 samples per oh, millisecond. Wow. So roughly 10 times more information, more data coming in. That allows us to have a lot of post-processing capability with the patient, allows us to find data, having more windows. And if you notice, we're using less power. All the systems that most of the systems that I've seen today are still using 100% power that's allowed mm-hmm. by the FDA on mm-hmm. their systems. Right. We're actually doing most of our scans anywhere between 40 and 60. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. So if you're so, for the layperson, what does that mean? Well, is that what that means is, of course, we're always trying to adhere to LARA. But is what we want to do if we're monitoring a patient, you really don't want to be at 100% power for an hour, hour and a half mm-hmm. on a patient. So is what we can do is find the window. Once we find the window and lock in, we can drop it down to 40. Like on myself, you can see I've got a big melon. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're scanning me, I, I pop on at 60 and I can find my MCA. Say I'm a little bit deeper because of the size of my head um, than most people are. But the nice thing is I can penetrate deeper with less power. So I'm actually doing mine about 60% power, where with all the other systems I've used in the past, I was at 100% plus on the systems. All right. And every patient, is, as with anything in ultrasound, is always different. You know, their technical, their body habitus and their windows and so forth, whether you're doing cardiac, DCD, or abdominal scanning. You get your good, your good windows and patients that scan easily and those that don't. So, you know, having the ability to, to scan more challenging patients uh, with lower power is definitely great for the patient safety standpoint. And so, you know, the great thing about ultrasound is, you know, it is non-ionizing. And when they come into the ER, you don't have to maybe send them to CT or MRI, you know, and that's a longer length of time. Uh, they may be getting radiation and, and um, 
you know, time is of the essence when you're dealing with stroke. So that's a, a great um, system to have available. Um, are you seeing that um, your the systems are being used in the ER by ER personnel, or is it basically they're they're calling in someone from the vascular lab, or maybe maybe it's being done in the general radiology? Yeah, that's what we're seeing currently. Is mm-hmm. that a lot of them are being done by the RVT, by the um, radiology department in vascular. So usually it's a sonographer mm-hmm. that's doing it most of the time. So, mm-hmm. but we are training a lot more doctors now. A lot of ER doctors are wanting to be able to get in to be able to do the patient immediately when right. they come in. And then we have new automated um, headsets that oh. go on. They're actually a robotic headset. And so we see that there's going to be a huge swing with the advent of robotic headsets to where we're training possibly non-RVT members. Right. Now, we recommend that you still have, you need that skill set of a, of a skilled sonographer, but you need other people in the ER trained up to be able to move it slightly mm-hmm. if the patient has a coughing fit or accidentally knocks it off something of that nature, you need somebody that can place it and put it back over the window. So ideally, if you have a somebody that a doctor that's very skilled in TCD or skilled in TCD or ultrasound or an RVT, and they can find the window, we can mark the window, just put a little mark there. And then once if, if it gets moved off, the headset gets moved off, you just pop it back on, hit find, it'll find that MCA window for you and lock in on the MCA forum. So the can monitor the patient for 15 minutes, an hour, whatever they feel is yeah, necessary. You had said something earlier today about um, patients who maybe come in with dizzy spells and that this can even be done while they're up walking around. Oh, yes, definitely. And that's the neat thing with our new robotic TCD is that we can do a patient laying down, sitting, standing, walking even. I was just at a recent conference and that's what I did at the stroke conference. I walked around pushing the cart with uh, the headgear on and getting oh, a lot of looks. That's too cool. <laughs> Do you, do you have a picture of that? We need that on our website. Yeah, I sure do. That is too yeah. yeah, we wore it for actually about three and a half hours, and you know it was very comfortable. No hits, luckily. I'm very yeah, happy yeah. with that. That's always a good sign, right? Yeah. <laughs> but so that's what we see is that the robotic, with the advent of the robotic idea, we're seeing it our market expanding immensely in TCD. Oh, I can absolutely see that happening, especially in the emergency department or maybe even the critical care unit. Um, and, you know, many emergency physicians and medical um, professionals in working in the EM critical care environment, they are already, you know, many of them are already doing ultrasound and another, you know, fast exams and for ultrasound guided procedures and things like that. So being able to add that that capability into their um, repertoire would be awesome. And for them, I mean, with anything, you always, if it's new, you got to learn how to do it, right? So the education right. is key. Um, but uh, I think that's that making that transition with the systems actually in the emergency department at some point will be an added benefit. And and what we see with our, our, um, our, our participants that come to our courses that, especially in the point of care markets, that they're so you know, motivated to learn something new because they see firsthand the difference that it makes in the time to treatment and the overall management of the patient and the patient outcomes. So having that ability to to use that robotic headset is like, that's, that's super amazing. I think you're going to see that that's 
something that they're going to be very interested in utilizing. And then we just got to get them trained, right? That's right. That's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was going to lead into. Is that's one of the things that I'd like to see is if, because we were at, while we were at the stroke conference, there was a mobile um, stroke unit there from, uh, where was it? It was somewhere in Texas. And they came over to our spot and had put the he- headset on. We put the headset on him and he was moving around and bouncing. And I said, well, yeah, it stays, you know, stays secure. Mm-hmm. And he, he says, well, I just wanted to see what it's like if it's in the back of our unit, in the oh, back of our ambulance. Oh, yeah. And he's very interested in putting our headset in the ambulances because it is very flexible. The patient can sit up. There are a few other robots out there that the patient's got to be very still, has to be supine and can't move. And with ours, it's so flexible that it really makes it conducive for all types of different environments versus just a stationary environment. Yeah. And think about that. When the patient arrives at the ER, think about all the information the EMS can provide. That's incredible. Exactly. And the hits detection on our system is very good. So it uh, it can, you can see the hits, the doctor can replay them back and then listen to them if they wish. We can either do it remotely or they can do it um, off the system itself. So we can do telemedicine, anything that they'd like to with it. Really nice. Wow. Oh, technology is so awesome. Yeah. So it's a little, I'm going to change topic here just slightly. You guys also do, um, you offer a variety of systems for physiological testing, which, you know, um, when I first started ultrasound, that was kind of a real big thing where we were coming in doing the segmental pressures and the PVRs and all that kind of stuff. And so where are we at with that? Do you still see that being a in-demand specialty or do you see that kind of going by the wayside? Well, you know, I've been in physiologic now for longer than I like to say I have been. <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot of trends, you know, where physiologic was very popular in the 80s, late 80s and 90s, sort of waned in the late 90s. It was more of a replacement market. 2000, it picked up a little bit. Um, and now is what we've seen is it's a big replacement market, but also we're seeing another resurgence in physiologic. Ultrasound takes longer to assess the patient right. than what a physiologic exam does. I can do a segmental in 15 to 20 minutes and tell you, does the patient have disease, approximately how bad it is, and functionally how it's impacting mm-hmm. them. And that's what a doctor wants. Right. Yeah. And then from there, we can assess whether we want to do an ultrasound to actually look at the mm-hmm. patient. Or if they're not a candidate for possible any intervention, maybe we just wait it out mm-hmm. and change their lifestyle habits and have them exercise. And then we have them come back. We can do an exercise, post-exercise exam, see Mm -hmm. if they drop. If they don't, great. If they do a little bit, that's okay. Let's put them on an exercise program, have them walk every day, create collateral vessels, Mm -hmm. bring them back in three months, and see if their PVRs increased or the ABI increased. Mm -hmm. I personally like PVRs better than an ABI for that scenario because a PVR will show the total overall volume of flow change. And it's very, very easy. I can train a, a... qualified technologists, very short time to do very accurate exam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're seeing a resurgence there. We're seeing a lot with Palmer Arch exams mm-hmm. with people where they want radial access. Yeah. We're doing caths. Mm-hmm. So we can do Palmer Arch. It's a quick, easy exam. It takes five minutes. And, you know, we used to do an, a study called Allen's test. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, problem with a traditional Allen's test that the doctor may do before an intervention is that they really have to look to see if there's a color change in the hand. And mm-hmm. if you don't have a complete 
missing palmar arch, but maybe you have a smaller palmar arch, it'll take up to a minute before you'll see that blanching. Yeah. Where with a piece of equipment where you're documenting the flow, you'll see that instantly. As soon mm-hmm. as you compress on that radial, you'll see that drop in flow. And plus it's sort of a CYA thing. Right. You've got to document versus you saying that you saw something mm-hmm. or didn't see something. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I like the sound of that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I think physiologic testing is here to stay. Just everybody has a different philosophy on how and when they would use it. But it does make sense to, you know, do the physiologic testing and assess the overall, do they have disease or not, yes or no, and at what level, and proximate stenosis. And then if you want to, if they're a surgical candidate, go in and kind of zero in on that area with your duplex and color and and uh, see what's going on. You we know? used a lot in mm-hmm. the vascular practice that I worked at, um, and we used it to assess for wound healing. So if we had a patient who was, you know, uh, they were basically going to have some sort of amputation, whether it was the toe level, foot level, you know, above knee, below knee, whatnot, we use that testing to evaluate for their wound healing. Works beautifully for that. My daughter, when I was, she's an RVT as well. And when she was going for school, I put her into a, well, I didn't put her in. I asked if she could do an internship at their facility. She worked there for two years. Um, it worked after she had her RVT as well. And really great facility. And that's what I felt it was very good that she went to that environment where you're limb salvage, you're seeing the worst of the worst right out of the get go. And the facility really benefited from our PPGs Mm -hmm. to be able to do toe pressures and toe waveforms. And then you can also assess tissue, how well tissue healing will work. With our PPGs, we have either with clip or without clip. And then you have power on the PPG, so you can actually control the depth of of the infrared going out. Mm -hmm. So you can go deeper or shallower. And like in Michigan, for instance, in Michigan, in the summertime, a lot of times you use a power at 40 for PPG. But in the wintertime, because it's colder, yeah. it will use 60 for power. Yeah. Now, someplace like here, probably 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I don't know. It's been cold here lately. Yeah. Lately, yeah. If you're Floridian, you might have to <laughs> If you're from Michigan, yeah. you, you're probably like, mm, this, is, this is warm. Yeah. <laughs> but it also works. Like here, you get a lot of people that go barefoot. Yep. Or, you know, yeah. in the warmer climates. Mm-hmm. And so you need to get through that thicker tissue. Yep. So upping the power 30, 40, 50, whatever you need to get up to. Um, but it really helps yeah. speed up things and make it more accurate. Yeah. So one of the uh, other things I'd like to talk about is the benefits of TCD over TCI. TCD used to be refer- referred to as the blind method back in the 2000s or so when everybody was starting to do it with imaging. And when they were switching over to imaging, I could see it. They've got a wand in their hand, the probe in their hand. They're used to it. So you thought, hey, I got a cool tool. I can go through the temporal window and get a waveform, which you can in some patients, not everyone, Mm -hmm. but not as high of an incination rate as we do with TCD. And with TCD, our incineration rate is usually anywhere between 85 and 90%, depending on the um, ethnicity of the patient Mm -hmm. and the age of the patient, where with TCD, we can penetrate, we can lock in on a vessel and do our window really well where we can find our PCA, MCA, ACA, we can do our occipital, we can do our posterior, our basilar, our vertebrals, very nicely and very easy with the system. Another biggie 
that I see in the ER and the OR as well, mm -hmm. is that we actually need to monitor a patient. And if we're doing it with an ultrasound, we can only monitor one side at a time. Yeah. And then that technologist has to sit there for that 15 minutes, half hour, hour, and hopefully be on the right side that's having some emboli or some hits. Right. And so we're expecting to monitor from one side and hoping that the hits happen on the side that we're on. Right. Versus if we're actually doing bilateral monitoring, we can monitor both sides and we can verify whether they have hits or no hits bilaterally. And because we could very easily, maybe we pop on the ultrasound and we find that we hear a couple hits, we stay there. But what's happening on the left side or the right side, whatever opposite side that we're on, that contralateral side may actually be the side that has the most plaque that's breaking off that's happened to cause it. Or because of heart throwing plaque, maybe it just happens to be going up the contralateral side that we're on. So that's why I really like TCD mm -hmm. versus TCI. Right. But if you are in a true stroke facility, they'll have both modalities. Right. Mm -hmm. Because really that's the ideal situation. Each one has its usefulness mm -hmm. and it's what it should be used at. And But if I only had one unit, it would be a TCD unit. Right, right. Yeah. I think that's very true, with the, especially with the ability to obtain useful information on a larger percentage of patients because you obviously, as we discussed, some people just don't have very good windows. And if you, if you don't have a good window, you're not going to be able to visualize the vessels you need to see, where as with the TCD, you, you can typically get the information you need on the vast majority of patients. You're always going to have those. Yeah. Small percentage. Well, and I also think that, you know, when I worked with the vascular surgeon, it was always difficult to get permission for me to go into the OR with him. They were really strict about that. So I can imagine that getting an RVT to sit at the head of the bed for an hour during an OR procedure is probably not well received in most ORs. So this, again, just frees up. They just put the headset on. You know, maybe they need the vascular technologist to place it, but then they can just go on about their day and it stays on and the patient's monitored the whole time. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing with it. With the new headset, with the robotic mm -hmm. headset, we can actually have the vascular sonographer or sonographer hook up the headset. And then once it's hooked up, then the anesthesiologist can take over uh, very nicely. And the neat thing with the headset, a lot of times we're under in back of a drape, right? So the old way that we had to do it either long time ago, we had to hold the probe, which tedious, especially if you're there for hours on end. Um, then we had the fixation devices that worked relatively well, but patients get moved around during surgery. Mm -hmm. And if the headset got bumped off, then we'd be up underneath the drape trying to adjust it where the doctor's doing their work and it's disrupting, you know, things, their, their focus, of course. And so with the new headset, you can do it digitally. It actually does it through the computer. It moves the probe automatically for you. So oh, if it gets wow. knocked up, knocked off, you just hit fine tune. Since you're already in that window, it'll go right, it'll search that small area very quick, about 15 seconds, and it'll lock in on the signal again. If it happens to take a gross difference, movement, then the Dolphin XF headset will, you can do a full tune and it'll do the whole area to find the window again for the patient, but usually a fine tune once you've already had it placed is mm -hmm. all you have to do. Yeah, That's so cool. That is very cool. Well, I know that um, there's physicians out there listening to this saying, well, this is a great tool and I want to integrate it, but what about reimbursement? So can you fill us in on that? Yeah, actually reimbursement is really good for the uh, physician's office, for the uh, hospital, 
for the cardiology office, really any type of office. One reason why I mentioned cardiology is because we're finding that more and more patients have PFOs mm-hmm. than what we originally thought. And it's actually around 20 to 25% of the populace has a PFO. Wow. I was just, uh, we had a facility that uh, Shannon was at recently, and she went up there to do a training. There was seven people that they tested, two patients and five technologists. Two of the technologists had migraines off and on, and then the two patients that were being tested had migraines as well. And out of the the seven patients they tested, or people they tested, five had PFOs. Wow. And it just shows you how much more prevalent it is. Wow. Yeah. we may not treat them, but we may may treat them. It really depends on how severe the PFO is mm-hmm. and whether their condition is causing it. The reimbursement is fantastic. You can make anywhere from, if you're just doing a quick screen, it's around $160. But if you do a full workup, maybe you're doing three different tests, maybe a, a full, full exam plus the breath holding, plus a, a PFO or a monitoring, it's around $850. For the whole smattering, and that takes you about an hour to do all three. Mm-hmm. That's certainly worth an hour of my time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, so much. I don't even like. There's just so many possibilities. Yeah, I know. That's all great. right. You know, there are tons of possibilities. With it. we love educating people. Mm-hmm. That's why we love teaming up with you. Is that I think it's going to be a beautiful relationship with right. working with you guys. Mm-hmm. Is we really we see a definite need for people to learn more from the start and then see it all the way through to the finish and with your program with being able to do it anytime they wish at their right. own time yeah. right yeah we do we do offer the the most options for their education and in, in way that works best for their their lifestyle and their work work environment family environment so and their um, learning needs and everybody their learning needs different. right everybody yeah. learns differently so you know we're we're happy to be able to offer that and to work um, closely with you and helping your customers and uh, to learn uh, how to perform and interpret uh, both the TCD and physiologic testing. So, um, Yeah, Mike's here this week because we're putting on our uh, blended TCD course. So he's here. He's got the Dolphin system and the Falcon system because we're also doing, uh, we're doing multi-track. So we have our peripheral vascular track, excuse me, going on today. And then we also have our TCD track going on. So he's right. here helping us out. Right. Well, thank We're, you for inviting me. I absolutely. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. We appreciate your support and and your customers appreciate it as well so they can learn on their system. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, this has been a great conversation and certainly provided those who may be unfamiliar or only slightly familiar with TCD or physiologic testing a strong background in its utility and power. And we thank you so much for being here with us today, Mike, and also, again, for supporting our educational programs. We'd also like to thank our listeners for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Sonography Lounge podcast and follow us on social media so you don't miss an episode. Thanks again, Mike, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes. All right, everybody. Have a great day and happy scanning. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Sonography Lounge. Don't forget, if you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, at Sonography Lounge, and Twitter, at Sonography LNG. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to send an email to us at sonographylounge at gmail.com. Have a great week, 
and scan, scan, scan. 